Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Sagebrush Spotlight. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, here to recap the most important events that have happened within the last few weeks at the University of Nevada, Reno. Original reporting for these stories was done by Nevada Sagebrush staff and volunteer reporters. More information on the stories covered in my podcast can be found on our website, nevadasagebrush.com. Once again, I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. Welcome to the Sagebrush Spotlight. Around 1 p.m. on September 28th, members of the University of Nevada Reno's Iranian Student Association gathered with members of the Iranian community in front of the Joe Crowley Student Union to show solidarity against the killing of Masa Amini. On September 13th in Tehran, Iran, 22-year-old Masa Amini was detained by the morality police due to hair sticking from her hijab. After she was detained, Amini was beaten, tortured until she entered a coma. She died on September 16th. Her death sparked unrest in Iran, causing many protests against the regime. All around the world, Iranian diaspora groups are participating in protests against the Iranian government. To advertise for this event, the Iranian Student Association posted on their Instagram the purpose of the protest, quote, to amplify the voices of brave Iranians fighting against misogyny and oppression. Nevada Sagebrush News Editor Lizzie Ramirez and Copy Editor Jessica Cabrera reported on this protest. A UNR Research Faculty of Civil and Environmental Engineering, Baram Vahedi, told our reporters the main purpose of the event, quote, we want to be the voice of those unheard people. Vahedi explained the history of the Islamic regime in Iran. First, coming to power in 1979, the regime enforced strict laws, one of them forcing all women to wear hijabs. This law is what led to Amini's detainment and killing. The protests in Iran directly affect the Iranian Student Association. Tayyeb Goli, an Iranian PhD student, says that, quote, a friend received news during the protest that her friend was killed on the streets, writes Ramirez and Cabrera. The Iran government has shut down internet service, which greatly limits the contact that students have with their families still in Iran. Goli believes that the past few decades should not define Iran as a group, saying Iran is a country with over 6,000 years of history, and we want to just tell that these 40 years do not represent us. A surprise came with Moonvin for many dorm residents this year with the removal of the laundry fee. Last year, for a student to do their laundry, they would have to pay a small fee to wash and dry their clothes. This is no more. Quote, just like doing laundry at home, says Dean Kennedy, the executive director of Residential Life, Housing, and Food Services. He says that laundry is not free, but instead included in the price of living in the dorm. Freshman Argenta resident Denim Richardson had no idea that laundry was going to be free of charge. He found this out on the day of move-in. Quote, I did think at first that we were going to have to pay for laundry every time, so it's cool to see it's free to use. Currently, if you're living on campus, you're able to go to the laundry room, throw your clothes in, and get your laundry done. Eventually, the university plans to use an app that will tell students which machines are open for use. The app was originally supposed to release before this new semester started, but due to some unforeseen technical glitches, it was not ready to be released. Kennedy hopes that the app is ready to launch at some point in this semester. A slight increase in housing costs is being used to offset the removal of the fee. The increase in rent now covers the leasing of the machines as well as the development of the app. In years prior, the laundry fee that students paid covered the leasing of the machines in full, but the department ended up making additional revenue from this. Kennedy felt that there should be a stop to this. Quote, I did not feel it is ethical for where students live to make additional money off of them when they are doing their laundry where it is something you should be able to do just like home. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush Assistant News Editor Madison Wonko. With flu season rapidly approaching, students are now recommended to get two vaccines rather than just their yearly flu shot. This second shot is the newest COVID booster available, the bivalent COVID booster. 
The medical director of the Student Health Center, Cheryl Hug English, talked with Nevada Sagebrush News Editor Lizzie Ramirez to talk about the benefits of getting the updated booster. Quote, it targets two versions of the coronavirus, the original and the Omicron subvariants. The previous booster shot targeted only the original version of the virus, says Hug English. She says that the Omicron subvariants make up around 95% of the cases in the country. Keeping up to date with COVID boosters is super important now that we're entering fall and winter. Due to the increase of indoor activities, it also increases the likelihood of exposure. Along with COVID, students will also need to worry about the flu. Quote, influenza or the flu can cause mild to severe illness and can at times lead to hospitalization or death, says Hung English. Experts are concerned about this flu season more than other flu seasons in the past. What happens in the Southern Hemisphere is often a good predictor of what will happen in the Northern Hemisphere. Quote, Australia is in the Southern Hemisphere and experiences their flu season before ours. They just had the worst flu season that they've had in five years, with cases three times higher than normal, says Hug English. Students can get both vaccinations at the Student Health Center. Same-day appointments are available. Along with that, there will be flu shot pop-up clinics. The dates and locations for these can be found on the parent Facebook group. The next portion of my podcast contains speech that some may find offensive. A preacher, Daniel John Lee, visited the campus of UNR on October 3rd to scream his hateful sentiments toward a crowd of onlookers. The preacher, not affiliated with any specific organization, held a double-sided sign over his head with one of the signs containing a warning to specific groups of people such as Muslims, homosexuals, liars, those who have premarital sex, hypocrites, and many others. The other side of the sign read, quote, Stop your sinning, believe the gospel, obey Jesus. Lee wore a body camera to record student reactions. Lee is a traveling preacher from Juneau, Alaska. Being all the way from Alaska, this isn't his first college that he stopped at. Just one week ago, on September 30th, he visited Boise State to record their reactions to posts on his Rumble account. Other colleges that Lee has visited are the University of Idaho, Montana State University, and many others. Lee claims to come to college campuses because he has, quote, a heart for the students. This was seen to be otherwise when he began calling those who protested his hateful speech idiots and sinners. Students quickly got fed up with his speech, one throwing their sandwich at him. To the crowd's dismay, Lee stated, quote, College students in general are sinners, but other than the guy who threw the sandwich at me, you guys have actually been pretty civil. I mean, at Boise State, I had a lesbian who lunged at me with her taser, so that was pretty bad. Lee continued to spew hate speech to the crowd of students gathered in front of him, saying, quote, The Jews who don't follow Jesus are headed for hell. They need to repent, just like the Muslims, just like the Buddhists, just like the Hindus, just like every other religion. Students began to fight back against Lee's statement. Christina Edwards states, quote, I feel like he's turning people away from God instead of bringing them to God. He's not spreading the love of God. He's spreading hate. Students then began shouting at Lee. Some students were there for entertainment, such as Ryan Conley, who despite being there for entertainment said, quote, it seems very hateful and directed toward a lot of students on campus. No physical actions were taken against the preacher, only verbal disputes from those who protested his message. Reporting for this story was done by Lizzie Ramirez, Jaden Young, and Emerson Drews. Lee returned to UNR on October 4th, spouting the same message as the day before. Quote, a function of free speech is to invite debate, which can result in unrest, anger, and dissatisfaction. It is in this light that the university has traditionally understood the First Amendment's application to our campus. Of all social institutions, universities should be the most friendly toward and protective of the right of free expression, says Scott Walquist, the director of communications at UNR, in a statement sent to the Sagebrush on the morning of October 4th. With the conclusion of the news section, we're going to be taking a short break to catch our breath and reflect on the news. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. You're listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight.
Now going to sports, the Nevada women's soccer increased their winless streak to three games after their loss to the Pacific University Tigers on September 15th. The first half of the game was quiet for the Wolfpack, only taking three shots and one on goal. On the contrary, the Tigers took 10 shots, three of them on goal. By the end of the first half, the score was tied 0-0. Things quickened in the second half of the game. At 71 minutes and 4 seconds, Tigers midfielder Ryan Molinar made the first goal for the Tigers, quickly followed by Jensen Packard scoring the second, roughly three and a half minutes after the first. Nevada did not go down without a fight. Only four minutes after Packard's goal, forward Emily Rich would knock in Nevada's first and only goal of the game. That last goal was also the last shot for Nevada as the Tigers played a hard offensive game as the match came to a close. Nevada lost 2-1. Women's soccer extends their winless streak with three losses and one tie. This is the second time they've done this this year, starting the season the same way until they won against Sacramento State on September 4th. Reporting for this story was done by Derek Raritan. Continuing their losing streak, the Nevada Wolfpack football team took another loss against the Air Force football team, extending the loss streak to three games. The September 23rd game was a rather boring game for the Wolfpack, with a total of 242 yards of total offense. Quarterback Nate Cox had a small total of only 130 passing yards, only completing 12 of the 20 attempted passes. He did have a 10-yard run, making it to the end zone. Wide receiver Jamal Bell ended the game with the three receptions for 65 yards. Most of those yards came from his catch and run for 58 yards, the longest play the Wolfpack had that night. Running back Tua Taua ended the game with seven carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. The Wolfpack defense did not have better performance, conceding an enormous 461 rushing yards. Doing bad in coverage as well, they gave up an 80-yard touchdown pass. Notable defense players are Drew Watts with a team high of 11 total tackles, 7 total tackles, and 1 tackle for loss. Bentley Sanders ended the game with a total of 8 tackles and 6 solo tackles. Finally, Jalen Dedman had 3 solo tackles with Nevada's only sack of the game. The Air Force offense played a hard game, one that the Nevada defense could not stop. The Wolfpack lost 48-20. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush volunteer reporter Anthony Miranda. On September 16th, the Nevada Wolfpack women's volleyball team was swept by the Oklahoma Sooners in the Oklahoma tournament. Losing three sets 25-13, 25-19, and 25-18, this is the Wolfpack's second time being swept this season, the first on August 27th against Middle Tennessee State. The next day of the tournament, Nevada flipped the script against the winless Texas Southern Tigers, outscoring them 25-21, 25-10, and 25-23, their second sweep of the season. The Nevada Wolfpack women's volleyball team was expected to finish last in the conference during the preseason polls. Fortunately, they have done better than expected, but not by much. The women's volleyball team currently has a 6-5 record, a change from the 3-29 record they had last year. The Wolfpack has the fourth worst record of the 11 teams in the Mountain West Conference, only ahead of Fresno State, Wyoming, and San Diego State. Reporting for this story was done by Matt Hannafin. Moving on to arts and entertainment. Up to its release, Olivia Wilde's newest film, Don't Worry Darling, has had a convoluted and conflict-full release. Shia LaBeouf was originally cast to play the film's main character, but was fired by director Wilde and replaced with her now pop star boyfriend, Harry Styles. According to Nevada Sagebrush Arts and Entertainment editor Jaden Young, quote, Harry Styles wasn't great, he wasn't even good. Despite this, lead actress Florence Pugh stole the show. This is your warning, spoilers are ahead. The film focuses on Jack and Alice Chambers, a couple in a perfect small town called Victory. Except things really aren't perfect. While the men go to work, the women stay at home to live their stereotypical lives of a 1950s housewife, cooking, cleaning, and taking care of the kids. Alice begins to have visions of a song that she cannot put her tongue on and empty eggs as she makes breakfast. 
Her friend Margaret, played by Kiki Lane, keeps telling her that things aren't right where they're at. Quote, they took her son, a boy who mysteriously vanished, to punish her, writes Young. The leader of the Victory Project, Frank, who is played by Chris Pine, assures Alice that Margaret is just sad and misled. This movie has a major plot twist in the end and honestly should be seen in theaters. I'm not going to reveal this twist. Both Young and myself believe that despite the convoluted drama before the release, Wilde's film is an interesting and mind-boggling thriller. Quote, the goal of the thriller was to leave you uncomfortable and frustrated with the ending. That's what it did. Pew's acting made sure of it. The Nevada Humanities Literary Crawl is back after their two-year hiatus caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. According to the Nevada Sagebrush Arts and Entertainment editor Jaden Young, the literary crawl is, quote, a scavenger hunt of readings from authors, panel discussions from artists, workshops with professionals, combined into a festival where you can share your thoughts on books, art, ideas, and basically anything you want. The September 10th event had many different scheduled events that literary bugs can choose from, a dream come true for literature, arts, and humanities fans. The day was split into six chapters, each chapter being a different time and place for an event throughout the day. In each chapter, there were three to eight events that someone could choose from, with book signings, panel discussions about writing and art, humanities workshops, and more. The literary crawl had diverse events to choose from. Walking around downtown Rito, the participants were encouraged to stop at the nearby pubs and taverns to grab a drink before continuing their crawl. Despite the smoke, the literary bugs enjoy themselves and are excited for the event to return next year. And with that, this concludes this episode of the Nevada Sagebrush Spotlight. Make sure you read all of the articles on the Nevada Sagebrush website and follow the Nevada Sagebrush on Instagram and Twitter at Nevada Sagebrush. Also follow me on Instagram at Patrick.McNab and Twitter at PatrickMcNab underscore. Another episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight will be out next Friday, October 14th. I've been your host, Patrick McNab. Thanks for listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight. See ya.